This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 84, there's an asterisk after everything. Today's proverb is unattributed. I'll read it twice. Fortune favors the brave. Once more, fortune favors the brave. If someone disagreed with this claim, I suppose they'd begin by arguing, do you not know what the word fortune means? It means luck. Luck favors the brave. If anything favors the brave, then it isn't luck. Because luck is blind. Chance is blind. Zeus has two jars. Good fortune, bad fortune. Sprinkles them indiscriminately over the earth. That's how luck works. That's how fortune works. Fortune cannot favor anyone and still be fortune. If there's some virtue out there that is rewarded, typically, then it's not, it's not fortune. A coward is just as likely 
as a hero to find a $20 bill on the sidewalk. The thing is, proverbs are not theories. Proverbs are about how the world tends to work. And thus, fortunate people tend to be strong and aggressive. About. I wouldn't say that fortunate people tend to be virtuous, but fortunate people tend to be vigorous, brave. They put themselves out there. Brave people take as many chances as they can get. And brave people put themselves in the way of chance. We know where fortune tends to hang out. We know where Lady Fortuna often can be found. We know where luck likes to pass her time. And we also know the places that Lady Luck tends to avoid. And so brave people go to the places where she hangs out. They go to the places where fortune is often made, or fame is made, or pleasure is made, or reputation or power are made. The thing is, there are never any guarantees with fortune. And Lady Fortuna preys on those with weak minds by occasionally dumping pleasant things on the most undeserving people she can find. And we have all seen this. We have all seen losers get lucky. We've all seen people who didn't try make out better in the end than people who did. Students see this often. They see one of their classmates, unknown slacker, score five points better on an essay, on a geometry assignment. And the diligent ones say, oh, man, I studied so much harder than you did. I put so much work into this. And there was, by serendipity, a strange convergence of the elements and alignment of the stars. And some slacker just happened to turn out a great essay. And so the one who tried hard and did worse, goes back to the drawing board and says, well, maybe I overthought it. Or maybe it really all is just a roll of the dice. And that's fortune preying on weak minds. There are many ways that fortune preys on weak minds. Fortune favors the brave, but fortune will prey on the brave too. And fortune will prey on cowards, but the brave man puts himself out. He risks something. The brave man has heard, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And the coward is unwilling to do so. And yet the coward, for whatever 
reason, through whatever bizarre course of events, the coward's way turns out best. And the brave man is ashamed of his own bravery. He feels like a fool. And he thinks, I should never have tried. Look, look at that fellow over there. I tried just as hard as he did. What is quite vexing about this proverb is that fortune merely favors the bold. That's it. And we can't overread this proverb. It's not as though fortune works exclusively with the bold. It's not as though fortune refuses to work with cowards. Fortune favors the brave. Fortune does not love the brave. Fortune does not defend the brave. It's favor, which is aggravatingly meager compared with what we want. Favor isn't always all that much. You can be favored to win an event just narrowly. You can be narrowly favored to win an event. I would say that fortune favors the, the brave, but it's a narrow favor. It's not reliable. Fortune unreliably favors the brave. Fortune tepidly favors the brave. That's about it, though. That's as much as fortune can give you. Now, when we're talking about fortune, to return to a run of podcasts I did early last summer on the Constellation of Philosophy, when we're talking about fortune, we're not talking about virtue. We're talking about pleasant things. We're talking about things turning out well, whether that means you are well-liked, whether it means that you have an agreeable spouse who you look forward to coming home to. Fortune refers to health. It refers to wealth as well. Reputation. All of these things we can work towards, but we cannot absolutely safeguard them. There are plenty of people who worked hard for a good reputation and lost it through, the, through no fault of their own. And so fortune governs all those things that pertain to the material world. Fortune does not govern the soul. Now, there's a good life, a stable life to be had in seeking out basic benefits of fortune. Common benefits of fortune. Like health. You should seek out good health. Health is... Not a reliable sign of whether you're a virtuous person. And there are probably very healthy people who die suddenly in auto accidents and go to hell. And very sick people who go to heaven. Lazarus and the rich man, for instance. So, fortune has this limited scope. Fortune is only concerned with the things of this earth. And yet, man is made of the earth. And... It's good that you have some sort of care for the things of this earth. That you take care of basic necessities, that you dress yourself 
carefully in the morning, that you bathe yourself. And that you seek out a good reputation. A good reputation is valuable, according to the scriptures. A good reputation is valuable. A good name. And it's worth seeking out, even if you cannot absolutely secure a good name for yourself, because lies, gossip might be spread about you. Nonetheless, the effects of fortune are not always tawdry. We have a certain obligation to seek out the benefits of fortune. Now, we also have obligations to not give ourselves over wholly to fortune. And fortune is unreliable so that we come to care more about our souls and for God, who is reliable. This is Boethius' claim, at least, that it's, a, that it's a blessing that fortune is fickle because it teaches you to care about something other than fortune. But the fickleness of fortune may teach us to care about something other than fortune, but not the otherness of the caring is not exclusive. Still have to seek out a good reputation. You should still be working to seek out a happy marriage, even though that also is a gift of fortune. To a certain extent. And when I say that a good marriage is a gift of fortune, I mean, you could be entirely deceived by the person that you marry. You could marry someone who presents himself in a very particular light and then turns out to be entirely different. Once the ring is on. In which case you could, you could claim, I, I was not fickle and shallow in what I was looking for in a spouse. I was tricked. I was deceived. And the marriage may proceed to be quite miserable, and it's really no fault of your own. In that way, a happy marriage is a benefit of fortune. All right? Faith in God is not a benefit of fortune. Love of God, love of neighbor peace, tranquility in your heart, these sorts of things are not the gifts of fortune. But all that fortune can do is offer favor. And as I've said in other episodes of the show, proverbs aren't always true. They're just mostly true. They're just often true. I would say that most proverbs are true 97% of the time. But there are some proverbs that are true less often than that. All right. Don't drive drunk. That's a great proverb. It's true 99.9% of the time. I'm sure you could invent some far-fetched scenario where driving drunk was a smart thing to do. But it's true 99.9% of the time. And we don't have to qualify the claim. Well... Usually don't drive drunk. I've been over this ground many times before on the show. But if most Proverbs are true 97% of the time, it means that the sort of claims that become Proverbs are not absolute. They may rise to greater states of absolute, but there are some Proverbs that are true even though they're not quite getting up to that 97% level. 
fortune favors the brave, I would say, is not true 97% of the time. I would say fortune favors the brave might be hitting up there at 56 or 57%. It's not a claim, fortune favors the brave. It's not a claim that's so manifestly true that we cannot think of a great many counterexamples to it. And, right, if most problems are true 97% of the time, then you can think of a few counterexamples. You can think of this one in a million scenario where driving drunk is a good thing to do. But you don't have to... You don't have to pull into obscurity or reach into obscurity to come up with many cases where, fa- uh, where fortune does not favor the brave. This is barely a proverb. It's, it's quite narrow. Fortune favors the brave is true less often than most proverbs I can think of. That's what sort of advantage bravery has over fortune. And it's never permanent. Fortune favors the brave in the short run. In the long run, what happens to the rich happens to the poor. What happens to the king happens to his slave. Death is the end of every man. So, fortune favors the brave today, this week, this month, by a slight margin. But the longer you look at the effects of fortune, the more we see that bravery offers less and less and less. The fact that fortune doesn't always favor the brave is what keeps cowards going. And it's what sits in the back of a brave man's mind constantly in the middle of his risk this may not be worth it this is probably not going to be worth it that's what you're often saying in that moment of bravery you've got your fingers crossed but you know it's not required of you this bravery is is not required of you if what you want is a pleasant outcome It's not hard, therefore, to understand why so many people end up saying things like, the world is not black and white, it's gray. Now that sounds like relativism. It sounds like radical subjectivism. But when people say the world isn't black and white, it's gray you can begin arguing with them and discuss the transcendence of truth, beauty, and goodness. But when people say the world isn't black and white, it's gray. Throwing a a whole lot of counterexamples from Auschwitz at them is probably not going to be all that helpful. Because when most people say the world isn't black and white, it's gray, what they're referring to is just how narrowly bravery is rewarded 
by fortune and it doesn't last and everybody knows it. And we have all seen, as Solomon notes in Ecclesiastes, we've all seen the righteous in the place of the wicked and the wicked in the place of the righteous. The world isn't black and white, it's gray. I think this claim is sort of true. There's a way of understanding it is true. In heaven, everything is sorted, though. In heaven, everything is black and white. And that's the prophecy in Matthew 25. Sheep from the goats. Black and white, two sides. But if all you've got to go on is planet Earth, it does look gray most of the time. It's for this reason that rationality is not enough. It's for this reason that a classical education needs to be a Christian one, too. It's rather standard in the course of a school year to get into conversations with students about what they have to do in order to be successful adults. And so many students, even at classical Christian schools, are banking on a happy life rolling out naturally from good grades and good transcripts and good college. And teachers are constantly trying to caution them against this idea that you will not necessarily grow up to be a happily married, productive father of two or mother of three just because you got good grades. And so students ask, well, what do I have to do to be a happy adult? What do I have to do to be successful? And there's really nothing that you can say as a teacher on that front that you don't have to put an asterisk after. And that's the limitations of happiness. That's the limitations of productivity. You have to seek out. Uh, the good life is in seeking out some of fortune's benefits, some material, substantial, stable sort of life. But a teacher is lying to his students if he ever says that there is a surefire way of becoming a happy, productive husband, father, mother. There is no surefire way. There are merely paths that usually work. There are merely paths that often work. And what students are looking for, students are waiting for adults to give some guarantee of certainty. That's what they want. Teenagers love certainty. They're seeking after certainty. And you might say that the whole concept of certainty has only lately occurred to someone who's 14 or 15. Like when you're 7 or 8, the concept of certainty is sort of meaningless, even at 11 or 12. You're not seeking after certainty. Certainty is too abstract a thing to seek after at 12 or 13. But I would say that by 14 or 15, you have recognized 
that eternality is written on your heart and you're seeking after something in the world that can put you absolutely in touch with the eternality that you feel, that you sense. I start hunting around for it. You start hunting around for some sort of guarantee. Around 14 or 15, 16, you start getting scared. You have seen adults whose lives didn't turn out. You've seen people who failed to become happy, productive husbands, fathers, mothers. They show up at family reunions all the time. And the fact that you're related to some of them, the fact that there are failed adults who are your uncles and and aunts, your father's brother, your mother's sister. The fact that you're so close to them disturbs you because you know it could happen to you too. You start to wonder. Like at 16, you go to a family reunion and you see your father's drunk brother who's 42, divorced twice, drunk on cheap beer, and you're like, man, that could have been my dad. I know how my dad turned out. I know how my father received the instruction of his parents. But if my father and that guy are brothers, that could have happened to my dad. And you think of how well you love your father and how well you trust your mother and you realize how narrowly your parents didn't fail. And that's really the point when you realize it could happen to you too. And you wonder, how do I get that to not happen to me? How do I not turn out like Uncle Ray? And so you go to your teachers in school and you don't say, how do I not turn out like my Uncle Ray? But you start pressing your teachers for certainty, for a guarantee, for something they can put into your hand and promise you, hold on to this and you can't fail. And after a year or two of the student who's diligently looking for such a guarantee, you start to sense, hmm, there's really nothing here. There's nothing that my teachers have given me that can guarantee a happy life on earth. Whenever my teachers talk about success in the adult world, they always say, well, this usually works and you ought to do this. This will probably turn out well. That probably won't turn out well. You start to realize how often people in their 30s and 40s and the higher you go, more often start using terms like usually, probably. Likely. At 16, you're like, no, I want something that's absolute. And the adults in your life think back over their own lives. And they think back to all the people they knew in high school. And all the people who turned out well and didn't. And all the ways that your own youthful friends defied expectation. And how some you thought would turn out well failed, and how some you thought would fail turned out well. And the teacher looks at the student and says, there is no guarantees on this earth. And the student says, so 
what do I do? And the teacher says, well, you can start by doing your homework. That's important. But at the end of all the homework, at the end of all the responsible things that you do here and now, being prepared to die is the most important thing to do. Being prepared to go to that next world where everything is black and white. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 